Welcome to Driven Radio Show, your home for car talk covering the latest news to the greatest views on the biggest names in performance, sports, and just plain cool driving machines. Your hosts are freelance auto journalist, senior auction analyst for Sports Car Market Magazine, writer and editor of ReadTheDriven.com, Brett Hatfield, plus videographer and host of the YouTube channel Craving Cars, Corey Pratt, and 35-year radio veteran, book publisher, and vehicular village idiot, Mark Catfish Groves. Let's rev up the conversation time for driven radio show hey all you gearheads and gas holes welcome to driven radio we're back that extended uh, extended absence was brought to you by arizona auctions thank you very much it's driven radio your weekly automotive happy hour i am brett hatfield here with our engineer and co-host mark groves yep. the evil genius of craving cars on youtube mr Corey pratt yes king of the world's lowest volume car dealership mr Vern Estes. i think i'm more of a prince but i'll take it yeah and my <laughs> traveling companion and partner in crime my lovely wife Rhonda. Hi, boys. Yeah. <laughs> okay, now everybody has to shut this off and get some alone time. Uh, we are coming to you from Driven Radio Studios in beautiful Overland Park, Kansas. And it has been pretty beautiful. A little cooler today, but at least it ain't snowing. That's right. Amen. Or raining. Uh, you can find us online at DrivenRadioShow.com, ReadTheDriven.com. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Driven Radio Show. And listen everywhere. Find podcasts or heard. If you like what you're hearing, Leave us a positive review on your favorite podcast platform, and be sure to tell your gearhead friends. If there's something you'd like to hear more of or someone you think we should interview, tell us. Drop me a line at brett at drivenradioshow.com. All right, guys. It's been a few weeks. What have you been doing in cars and bikes? And then you have to tell us about what's populating your very low-volume car dealership. <laughs> yeah, packed at the seams. <laughs> well, uh, besides, we had World of Wheels. This is yeah, last you did. So it, was, it was a good show. I mean, technically they had less cars, but that's because they had less spaces because they had to make the aisles bigger yeah. for more people and distancing yeah. and blah. But the fact that they had the show was pretty cool. Uh, other news on that, uh, my card's running great after it got fixed. And um, How much was that? Do I dare ask? Uh, it wasn't that bad. Uh, the only the, <laughs> okay, the, the okay, only okay. thing is about it is it, it went kind of junk on me all of a sudden one day. Started missing like crazy. It had to do something with the vacuum, something or other that was part of the intake thing. And then it realized it was something I broke. <gasps> oh, <laughs> Not no. driving the car broke, but when I was cleaning something out, I I think I because what what it was attached to is the part that I had taken out to clean uh-huh. better. And I think I either broke it, taking it out, or put it back in. But either way. It's an eight hundred dollar mistake. Oh man, I hate that. <sighs> Oops, and especially on a vacuum because that but means boy, it just, you're paying eight hundred dollars for it to suck. Yeah, <laughs> just when you thought it well, couldn't suck worse. I mean, you got to think a good chunk of that was labor because I was just like, you guys diagnosed this thing, and, and, and uh, I don't want to mess with it. Just fix it, and uh, it was eight hundred bucks. Because last time I worse. touched it, could have been worse. Yeah, yeah, nice. yeah. I'd buy the part, put it back in, and just break it again. There you go. So we don't want to do that. There's a new motorcycle in my driveway that has a tag on it. I don't know what you're talking about. I can neither confirm nor deny that I am currently riding my bike a lot. <laughs> I spent a lot of time on a weekend. I finally got brave enough to, uh, you know, I've been tooling around the neighborhoods and practicing my stops, my starts, all my thisses, my thats, my lefts, my rights, uh, trying to remember to turn off the damn turn signal, allegedly. And, uh, and so I allegedly finally uh, kind of got out on the road and got it up. To some, uh, some winter class, somewhat decent speeds, and uh, and been tooling around. Winter class. Oh, it is in two weeks. 
So do you feel like you've gotten a bit of a feel for it? Oh, yeah. It's, you know, when you go to the class, do you ride your own bike or do you ride something? No, you ride bike? theirs. And this one, there was a difference like between the, the Harley place has you riding 500s. And the classes I'm taking at Johnson County Community College have you riding, uh, I think it's 250s. Okay. So little bitty things. And I'm, I'm looking forward to that now. Well, yeah, but it'll be great for you to learn all the basics on oh, something my God, that's yes. like maneuverable. Oh, yeah, for sure. And then jump on your bike and rock at home. I've been reading, you know, I've been watching all all these videos i've got that book that i've been reading etc and uh and thank you by the way for the great coat and those gloves you starting to find out about that stuff that stuff comes in real handy yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and you're right i'm gonna get a windshield because it'll just beat you right to death especially yeah. here in kansas uh national windshield uh, the, writing it down <laughs> believe it or not that sounds like the world's most generic name but national windshield has great stuff for bikes like that and when you look at it, you're not just going to need the windshield. You'll need the arms to hold it up. Yeah. So, yeah, there's... And I don't know if they'll sell together or not, but just beware of it. All righty. What's, what's in the world's smallest volume dealership? Buying and selling cars, man. Got, uh-huh. a, got a 66 Shelby coming in that uh, I bought in 10 minutes on Facebook. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But you swoop in at the last minute? The and... guy put up a picture, and it just said, where's the best place to sell a 66 shelby and so i called him and we right had a five here, minute buddy. conversation i had one photo and i said sure i'll take it so wow it was a quick one i've never bought a car that quick off one photograph and there's a that was a good one there's a red something uh well there's a red 69 354 speed air convertible there's a red gt500 automatic mm-hmm. 67 fastback uh and then there's a 66 bronco right now a little roadster didn't D13, look like it had any kind of a top or doors or anything no else no it has nothing not even a heater or radio uh-huh. so yeah it's but that's kind of a keeper so <laughs> I, I, I would say you'd want it to it. be slightly warmer before you drive that stuff yeah, yeah yeah it was too cold today to a little, so, little brisk it's cool it ran good i ran it up and down the street when i got here today and it was burn like, shows up car. in a snowsuit yeah yeah exactly <laughs> carhartt, carhartt cover, uh, coveralls yeah <laughs> all righty well we as in uh the bride and i had 11 days on the or 12 days on the road uh drove to well we drove to tucson my folks have a house there they just got it they were waiting for their furniture to show up it got hijacked by a company out of San Diego that took all their stuff to L.A. Oh, God. And waited until they had a full truck coming to Arizona so my folks didn't get their furniture for a week and a half. And oh. our plan had been to stay in Tucson and drive back and forth. Two problems with that. One, no furniture. But two, the last time I did that was 10 years ago. And the drive from Tucson to Phoenix then was an hour and a half. It doesn't work that way now. <laughs> it doesn't. Tucson has grown a lot. Phoenix has freaking exploded. You cannot believe how much more traffic there is. That hour and a half drive is two and a half hours now for 100 miles. Ouch. Uh, so after a couple of days of trying that, we said, screw this. Got a hotel in Phoenix, but it was spring break. So there are no hotels available. Oh, my God. We managed to find a Holiday Inn. Room wasn't very bad. 
but it was in the sketchiest part of town you've ever seen. Every day outside the hotel was an episode of Cops. Every day. One day we come back from the auctions. Cops have a guy and a gal leaning up against a wall sitting on the sidewalk. The guy's watching the cops. The cops are paying attention to the gal, so the guy jumps up and runs off, and one of the cops has to chase him. We're both sitting in the car thinking, why didn't we get popcorn? And I was waiting for the bad boys theme to come on. Oh, it was absolutely should have uh there's a constant stream of homeless people pimps hookers god knows what else but my favorite was the guy who sat outside the hotel three different days with a portable pa screaming at you about how you had to get right with jesus (laughs) well just did did you (laughs) Just interesting. <laughs> Had he done it four days, maybe, but Brett wasn't doing it. No. Nah. Okay. Nah, I was unconvinced. Still not friends with Jesus. Anyway, uh, we got to see David Morton and John Kramer while we were down there. Mr. Kramer Super was kind cool. enough to take us out to dinner. Oh, that was nice. Nice. Uh, David Morton, God love him, just let us do any damn thing we wanted, in- <laughs> including open up the hood and doors on that oh. $2.7 million Corvette L88 down there. Oh, I'll bet that was a sweet treat. Well, that is one where yeah, uh, that was one where I was uh, ooh, I'm going to be very, very careful with this one. <laughs> Didn't Ferris Bueller that one. All right. <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> no. Just run it backwards. <laughs> yeah, 354 miles on the clock. Nope. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, then we went and covered Barrett Jackson and got to see Scott Black, a gentleman that you guys should meet eventually, and had a lot of fun. Got to meet Aaron Shelby, got to see Seth Burgett. He's going to be with us a little bit later. Uh, just it, it was a lot of fun. It's tough to bitch about being in Phoenix in March when it's 70 and 80 yeah, and, and no snow and no rain and no none of that. Uh, a lot of walking. We figured... Over the course of the time we were there, we probably walked 45 miles. Wow. Yeah. Got yeah. your steps in. <laughs> which, yeah. which, is, okay. which is why yesterday I had to go get a cortisone shot in both my darn knees. Oh, no. <laughs> so, anyway. Oh, and I fell in a hotel bathtub and I got a giant black bruise wrapped around my left leg. Oh, my God. I was holding the handicap handle, too. Well, he looks like I'm there's, there's, oh, I know there's got to be so well, much more to this story, especially it, the look in your eye, Rhonda. I'm like, oh, damn. Well, the, but the you reason, didn't tell that to the paramedics. The, the reason she's got that look in her eye is because she knows how banged up I am. Oh. And, uh, yeah, it was an interesting trip. We had a lot of fun. We drove about 3,500 miles. And just lots of very interesting things went on. Was there any water in the tub? Well, you should have filled it with water. It could have broke the fall. The yeah, problem, I feel the bad problem for the tub. Was, it, was, it was a really tall tub because it had jets in it, oh. kind of like a mini jacuzzi. Okay. And I didn't quite get my right foot up high enough. Oh, yeah. Stepping in. Oops. <laughs> I'm hanging on to that Did rail. Did you take the shower like, curtain with you? Uh, no. Because <laughs> no. <laughs> the shower curtain only covered about half the tub. <laughs> you were almost bagged and tagged. It, it was, <laughs> would have made clean up a breeze. Yeah, I, just wrap him up in it and take him. Wrapped up like baby Jesus. <laughs> swaddling in a swaddling shower curtain. I didn't meet him, but I sure yelled oh, man, at him. That's a visual. <laughs> baby Jesus, who I'm still not friends with. <laughs> All righty. Well, uh, 
All that aside, uh, we've got a lot of news this week. Meekum and Barrett-Jackson auctions are both rocking and rolling. There's news about Nissan's new Z car and the world and the world's most famous racing Bronco. I had to put in racing because everybody's going to go, OJ. Uh, the world's <laughs> most famous racing Bronco is headed to the auction block. Our special guest this week, our returning guest, repeat offender Seth Burgett of Gateway Bronco, is going to be here to tell us about a new scholarship, an internship, nice. and his thoughts on the current state of the collector car world. we got a lot to cover this week, so let's get to it. From Meekum Auctions, uh, the Meekum Glendale 2021 uh, auction set a record oh 42.3 million in sales <laughs> in three days. Three days. And 18th, they only sold 19th, seven cars. And 20th. No, <laughs> It was 11. Shut up. (laughs) (laughs) Almost twice. (laughs) Uh, Meekum Auctions, the world's largest collector car auction company, set a new record high sales total for its Glendale, Arizona auction held March 18th through the 20th at State Farm Stadium. For the record, probably the best auction venue I've been to yet. It's Imagine Arrowhead with a dome on it. Ooh. And now Filled with stick, nice cars. The, stick the cars in there. Yeah, it was. Oh, it was cool, man. Was hut, it hut cool? Hike. Uh, <laughs> the twenty twenty one auction reached forty two point three million in overall sales, a more than fourteen percent increase over Meekum's first auction in Glendale, which itself had been a record setting event as the highest grossing inaugural event in the company history. 712 of the 829 offered vehicles sold for an 86% sell-through rate. Oof. That's pretty remarkable. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the auction's top seller was an award-winning 67 Chevrolet Corvette L88 Coupe, the only one ever made in Sunfire Yellow. Ooh. It was stunning. Daggeringly good. Did you put a bid in it? Uh, yeah, I, I I didn't even get my hand in the air before they shot past me. Oh, okay. okay. The Who's thing changed try? hands for just shy of two point seven million dollars. Oh, oh, wow! Uh, the success of the auction in only its third year is unprecedented. Meekum Chief Operating Officer Sam Murtaugh said. By exceeding $42 million in sales in only three days, the Glendale, Arizona event has officially established itself as the third largest auction on Meekum's calendar, and they do a lot. Uh, the top ten sales there, the 67 Corvette at $2.695 million. A 2016 Ferrari F12 TDF at eight eighty. Uh, 2011 Ferrari 599 GTO at uh, five hundred. Uh, a sailing S7. This is the first one I'd ever seen up close. This thing was cool, man. Sold for six hundred and five thousand. Cool. Corey, that that Carrera RS was so much better in person than it was in pictures. You couldn't even believe it. That thing brought four ninety five. Oh, a two thousand fourteen Mercedes SLS AMG Black Series at four fifty one. Mm. Uh, two thousand one Ferrari five fifty Barchetta Pininfarina at four forty. A 911 Speedster at 440. Wow, really? A 70 Boss 9 Mustang Fastback at 385. Jesus. And a 2018, I couldn't believe this one, Mercedes-Benz G550, the big boxy four-wheel drive. Oh, yeah. Well, it's that. Brabus edition. Yeah, it's that 379,500. And, again, I'd really like to thank David Morton and John Cramen for making things so easy for us and for a lovely dinner out. Uh, John took us out to dinner, and that was really cool. Super cool for John. Yeah, well, you know, so, that's awesome. out west, the Golden Corral is really nice. 
<laughs> All the steak you it's, want. It's we, that much more golden. We had a we had dinner at a place called Lola in Phoenix. Yeah, and the food was great, but we didn't realize it was a disco that served food. <gasps> it was a restaurant with the loudest thumpingest music. And very scantily clad women. Yeah, well, that was uh, fun change, too. It wasn't that was me. that was fun too. <laughs> My waitress walked like a woman and talked like a man. No, uh, <laughs> something I could never understand. When, when we were leaving, one of the restaurant patrons, um, how should I put this nicely? Mm. Looked like somebody who might be paid hourly for companionship. Oh, I see. Uh, uh, full no, rental don't, spectrum. I don't, I don't yes. get it. Like somebody I don't understand. I'll explain to you later. We'll draw you a picture. Oh, cool. <laughs> what what kind of pictures. headers do you like to have? Hooker uh, headers. Uh, that's right. That's right. <laughs> so anyway, great time. A lot of fun. Uh, very enjoyable. And man, those guys just make your job easy when you're there. So nice. thanks again, gentlemen. Oh, by the way. I got them to promise they would come here for grilled steaks when they're in town in December. Oh, that's exciting. Yeah, Super so cool. There, there will be lots of tomahawk steaks to be <laughs> cooked and devoured. Well, from uh, Barrett Jackson, uh, the Brat Hatfield train continues. No kidding, man. Scottsdale auction sales top $105 million, producing over 95 world records with $5.8 million raised for charity. Which is awesome. That is awesome. Barrett Jackson Auctions racked up more than 105 million in sales during its week-long Scottsdale auction at Westworld of Scottsdale. That was March 20th through 27th of this year. 1,054 vehicles were sold with a 100 percent sell-through rate. Oh my that, God, that's what no reserve gets you. <laughs> <laughs> and I was there. I think the reason they did so well is because I went with you. You know, that, they call it the Ronda sell-through I, rate. I, I love how humble 100%. you are. You give yeah. great humble. I do, honey. It's all for you. <laughs> so with the sell-through rate, they raked in over $95 million with more than 1,000 pieces of automobilia selling for a total of $4.4 million and $5.8 million raised for charity through the sale of cars, bringing the total auction sales to more than $105 million. Here's the thing that they didn't say about this is they the auction started on Saturday around Saturday to Saturday the 20th through the 27th. They didn't start selling cars till Tuesday. Oh my god. And you know, they started at like two o'clock in the afternoon and would run to the first few days they didn't run at it real hard. So the remaining time it was hammered down. Yeah, that's auctioneers getting tennis elbow. Yeah, yeah. Wham, boom, next, wham, boom, next. Yep. Gee, man, Christmas. Wow. Uh, the no- most notable sale during the week was a 1966 Shelby Cobra 427 Super Snake that sold for $5.5 million. Ooh, I know someone in this Damn. room that knows something about that car. I have very, bit. very close pictures of that. I managed to get inside the rope, and I was Ooh. trying not to drool. <laughs> so what's the paint smell like? I don't know, but it tastes like cherry. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Maguire's number 26 smells like banana taffy. <laughs> Just saying. Uh, from Craig Jackson, quote, It was wonderful to be back among our friends and family in the collector car community. Cool. No doubt. Yes. Speaking of Maguire's. Walk past Barry McGuire as we were walking in one of the doors. Oh, my God. I had uh, just enough time to go, hey, Barry. And he turned around, hi, and then walked off. He was gone. (laughs) (laughs) I'm out of here. No idea what I'm saying. (laughs) The top 10 vehicles sold during the 2021 Barrett Jackson Scottsdale auction included at number one, the 66 Shelby Cobra, 427 Super Snake, 5.5 mil, 67 Ferrari, 275 GTB4 for 2.475 million. 
2018 Ford GT 67 Heritage Edition, mm. 1.210 million. Yes. What? Yes. I, okay, I'm a little wow. lost on a 67 Heritage. It's uh, a paint job. Yeah, yeah, oh. yeah. yeah. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, there was a t- uh, number four 2017 Ford GT. For 990000 So without the fancy paint shop. No fancy. Yeah, that's right. Uh, number five, <laughs> no dash plaque. <laughs> number five, 1965 Shelby GT350 for 962000 and change. That, yeah, that, was, that was Craig's. That was a lot. Yeah. That is sweet. <laughs> um, 1959 Chevrolet Corvette custom convertible for $825,000. Now, custom convertible, what did that involve? It was a full resto mod, and I think... I haven't confirmed this, but I think Kevin Hart bought it. Yeah, it was Kevin Hart's car. Oh, my God. He bought two cars. I forget what the other one was, though. Yeah. Him and his posse bought, like, two cars, and then every time he'd win a car, they would do, like, they would stick their hands in, like, a like a huddle formation like mm-hmm. little kids do when they play soccer. It was really funny to watch. <laughs> <laughs> they, were, they were going crazy. I want to be able to nuts. do that. Did you get your phone on and get a video of that? Uh-huh. They were having a great time. I just paid a million dollars for a car. For Woo! a car that cost Let's 200 go. to build. Yes. <laughs> nice. Uh, 2020 Ferrari 488 Pista? Yes. Oh, look at me. Uh, 467,500. At number eight, a 1963 Chevrolet Corvette Custom Split Window Coupe, $451,000. Was uh, was it the baby blue that you like? Mm, Yeah, what color was that one? No, no. Not yet? But it it was sexy. (laughs) Well, it's a 63 split window. Yeah. At 1967 Chevrolet Corvette Custom Convertible for $440,000. And at number 10, a 2005 Ford GT. For $440,000. All those custom Corvettes are all resto mods, and it's gotten to be now that the resto mods bring a whole lot more money than solid original cars, with the exception of stuff that's uh, way off the rails like L88s. It, what is yeah, the reason yeah. for that, though? I, I would think the originals I would be I can tell you that... exactly what the reason is for it, and I get it. The people who can afford these aren't the young people who can fold themselves up and get in old cars and ride uh. on rough suspensions and bias ply tires and you know you know what lifestyle creep is right you get you get used to a certain standard of living and you don't want to go back so these people (laughs) like a nice ride and they like air conditioning and they like killer stereos and they like their really nice leather interiors with all the accoutrements so you put all of that into one of these vintage vets it takes a bit because they were never engineered to be that in the first place and it turns out to be a heck of a product, but geez, man, that is that's what's hot it, right though. now. Yeah, that's what's hot with the wow. starting with boomers down to people about Corey's age or Rhonda's age, you know, forty-five to probably seventy-five, who have lots of disposable income. Yeah, a little chunk of change in their pocket, <laughs> more than a little. <laughs> and, <laughs> meanwhile, while the pure, purists like me are going, no. I know. No, right? you can't do that. No, it's wrong. It's wrong. About no. the only way I'd pay that much is if I got all the original parts along with it. Put them into boxes. Let me take them home. And Barrett Jackson is the home of the Super Slick Resto Mod. Yeah. My, my bit of chump change must be my other pants. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> A bit. Well, from road and track, rumors suggest that the new Nissan Z will make 400 horsepower and start at just 34995 Dude, if that's the case, I'm in line. Yeah, that's uh, that's going to be good. That's going to be good. That's a good recipe right there. So Nissan's revamped Z car is edging closer to production. Thank God. About time. Earlier this week, photos and videos of what looked to be the production version um, of the car leaked online. 
uh, a user on the 400zclub.com forum who claims to be in the know, spilling a handful of details on the new Z on Thursday. The claim car will simply just be called the Nissan Z in the United States, it sounds like, instead of the Nissan 400Z. Okay, that's fine. Um, hey, they can call it whatever they it's want. It's still going to come standard with the 400 horsepower twin turbo V6, so who cares what they call it. Dang. Uh, they also claim a dry weight of 30 or uh, 3,252 pounds. That's light. That's mm. not bad. That's mm-hmm. really light. Any more with all the safety stuff you have to have and the bumpers and the yeah. uh, airbags and everything else, 3,200 pounds is pretty light. I it's actually like feel like Mustang. I actually feel like that's lighter. <laughs> yeah, there you go. And a third of a Charger. Yeah, I was yeah. going to say a third of a Camaro. Half a Mustang, a third of a Camaro. Yeah. Uh, I actually think that that's lighter than the 370Z that's currently being sold now. I wouldn't be surprised. I also think it might be lighter than the Supra. Very well could be. Is it not? Is that lighter than Corvette? It's lighter than Corvette. It's around there anyways. Corvette's 3,500 pounds. Yeah. Yeah, the new so, one is a little actually the new one is a little chunkier than the previous. one. I think, I think the new Z looks pretty good. I heard when when all the photos were leaking, I heard a lot of people criticizing it. And I thought it looked really good. Well, so the, far, I've liked it. The only downside with this is there you can't verify it. It's just what this guy is saying. Yeah, right. But if he's right about all this stuff, and he did have a lot of information, if he's right about all this, man, it it sounds like it's going to be a heck of a car for not a ton of jack. No, which actually tends to be probably the biggest surprise that's been claimed is that starting price of thirty four thousand nine ninety five. I well, mean, for a four hundred horsepower twin turbo V six car. I mean, that's. That's a bargain at twice. At a sports car, too, not just some cruiser, but something that actually does don't, all the above. Don't let the Z guys hear you say that, sweetheart. <laughs> the Z's, obviously, their main competitor, uh, being the Toyota Supra, starts at 42990 and that's not even with the six-cylinder. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So we're looking at possible four trims, four new Z trims. There's the base model with, obviously, zero options on that. The Type S, which you get the Brembo brakes, the bigger sway bars, and better cooling. A T-trim. Type T for the nice, uh, you know, the leather interior, heated and cooled power seats, the more luxury version. The Type ST trim, which combines both, guess what? The S and the T. There you go. <laughs> wow, how clever. <laughs> so that way you give your luxury and your performance, I guess, on the one. But uh, worth noting that, obviously, there's no way to confirm these claims, like Brett said. So we suggest taking them with whatever grain of something you want to use, but like I don't salt. Th- I don't think they're that far away from production now. I I really thought they weren't far for production two years ago though. So I mean, <laughs> I mean, what was that three three the, that whole platform the three seventy Z has been around what like ten years or oh, more? Oh yeah, every bit of that. Yeah, it, that's that's a long time for not really. It's it's a little outdated, which is probably why if they're wondering why are we selling these too much, but because you're selling something ten years old for a price of something new. Yeah, no kidding. Did they yeah. stop the GTR last year? or Are they still building the GTR as of now? I want to say they're still building it because I insane. just watched a 2021 like a Nismo version of it. Yeah. By the way, it was like 175 thousand dollars. Yeah, and it's still it's, basically the same car. Oh my god! And it's yeah, been for like that. how many years now? Ten yeah, years. Yeah, or they, more? They, that, yeah, ever since it's been out. Yeah. Really. Yeah. So the well, only difference is the power. No, I. What was uh? Let's see. Final year for six gen Corvette was 2013. I think. I think it was 2013 because they did a 16th anniversary version. So they were comparing the first GTR to six Gen ZR ones. Yeah, that's yeah, <laughs> yeah. So probably every bit of uh, almost ten years, or or even more. Right, right, right. So, so yeah, that they're just uh, 
their whole line of cars aside of their you know normal family production cars or whatever are just kind kind of tired yeah well same thing as uh mazda yeah. Mazda's got a lot of tired stuff, but they're coming out with new stuff. I yeah, want to see this when good. it comes out. Four, I do too. Four hundred horse, two seater, light for thirty five yeah. grand starting. That is not too bad. I, I need to do a review for Craven Cars on that one. There you sure. go. Yep. Well, for Motor Trend, uh, you remember the Ken Miles R model yes. from Meekum Indy? It yes. sounds like Meekum wants to sell the exact same thing except the off road version for the coming Meekum Indy. They are going to be selling Big Ole. I got to see it. <laughs> they had it in a glass case. Big Ole being probably without question, I would think. Nothing else comes to mind as maybe the most significant Bronco of all time. No, they're they're already talking seven figures for this thing. Yeah. It's, I've heard some people say multiple seven figures, which that seems difficult to wrap my head around. Because there's no comps, so that's why it's difficult. There's nothing yeah. else. that's not, No race Bronco like that has ever sold No, at this point. Uh, the only thing I think that might come close isn't a Bronco, but the uh, Olds 442 that James Garner raced in the Baja. Yeah, and what in the world would that be worth? Or Steve McQueen's Baja bug that Glickenhaus has now. Oh, yeah, yeah. There you go. That uh, kind of deal. I don't know, man, because... The more I read about this, I didn't. I didn't realize that it was such a custom build. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's very little Bronco, but it looks kind of <laughs> like a Bronco. But there's, yeah. it it's look- like saying a NASCAR is a Toyota or a Chevy or yeah, Ford. Yeah. Is. There you go. Yeah, um, I, it's. It, what did it say in the article? It had a TIG welded 4130 chromoly tube chassis. It was three inches shorter and three inches narrower than a factory Bronco. Mm-hmm. That's kind of like the Corvette Grand Sports. If you line one of those oh, off for with sure. a mid-year Corvette, it ain't the same size. Do you see where the air cleaner is? Mm-mm. It has an intake on top of the engine that goes backwards, and then there is an air cleaner in the cockpit of the car <laughs> facing <laughs> facing horizontally like at like the top of the air cleaner is facing the driver in the middle where a gauge would generally be between the driver and the passenger i bet sitting that makes a like hell of a through noise. the firewall to get fresh air yeah just wild well so it's sucking air in from the cabin area then. yeah the, the, other, yep. the other thing that really blew me away with this is one parnelli jones is still alive and still owns it <laughs> and he still owns it yeah that's crazy and i i also i guess i should have guessed this he built it with bill strope and i didn't know that that yeah. that was the case bill strope obviously strope broncos but also drag racing road racing basically the west coast high performance arm of ford motor company i mean even like the stock strop broncos that are selling now the orange the orange white and blue yeah. liveried trucks that they made 700 something of perfect examples of those now are almost to two hundred thousand dollars yeah Oof. and yeah. so when you, those don't have any race history whatsoever that's basically like the 65 shelby the bronco world so that's why all of a sudden seven figures for the actual race truck seems all of a sudden it makes sense the yeah, other thing no while i was reading the article if you went through all of the pictures that went with with the article that showed the race history, this thing has had the crap kicked out of oh, it for before. Sure. It's amazing it and still then, exists in any form. Oh, my God, yeah. Well, thank God for that, that chromoly frame, because everything else on it, every panel has been bent, broken, mm-hmm. jacked up, <laughs> Two back-to-back Baja 1000s, and, mint 400s. And when you see it now, it's mint. Yeah. Everything on it is absolutely it's 100% mint. original Survivor. Yeah. 
but uh, it's, <laughs> with, with a with a few minor exceptions, doesn't look like it's hit any boulders at <laughs> seventy miles an hour yeah. repeatedly for a thousand I, miles. I, I I think it hit a few, but in addition to the frame, uh, it had a radically redesigned suspension. A three fifty one Windsor they say produces between three hundred fifty and four hundred horse. A C six automatic. And the giant adjustable wing that's on top of it is the roof. I would have loved to have seen <laughs> Parnelli Jones wheel in that thing. Because if you listen to Trans Am stories of other drivers racing against Parnelli, he was a vicious competitor. Yeah, and the article said he raced everything. I'm I'm oh, pretty yeah. sure he would race an old lady with a Kmart cart. Oh, sure. He was in IndyCar. <laughs> he was in sports cars. He was in endurance racing. He was in Trans Am off-road. Well, anyway, Everything. they're nice. going to have this thing for sale at Meekum Indy, which I understand you've been conned into attending. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I'll be there. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm angling for that trip, too. Uh, it says that Jones and, and uh, Bill raced this thing from 1970 to 74, and they won back-to-back Baja 1000s. Yeah. And the Mint 400 that you, they used to hold outside of Vegas, and the Baja 500. And Parnelli Jones is still alive. That's amazing. And I'm not super up on off-road racing, but I'm also fairly certain in addition to the back-to-back Baja 1000s, there was a race before it was called Baja 1000 that was 1,000 miles. Yeah. It turned into the Baja 1000. It won that the year before. Well, uh, So it's essentially won three. That wasn't the Pan America oh, wow, okay. that was... I don't know. This, okay. this is not a form of racing I pay any attention to. All I know is that this is, I mean, Big Ole is the king of the hill. Everybody knows that. Well, everybody who who knows the truck and knows the history is predicting this thing is at least a seven-figure sale. Yeah. So, uh, pretty good for an SUV. Yeah, not bad. Not too bad. Yeah, for something that drives, well, like a Bronco. <laughs> <laughs> that's the least amount of driving pleasure per dollar you will ever buy. <laughs> and that's coming. I love Broncos. Don't get me wrong. Who I love them. I have spent so much time over the last five years talking people my age out of buying Broncos because they all they come in and they want it. Like, I love Broncos, but I got into Broncos because they were cheap, fun. They're adorable. Mm-hmm. They're cool. They're, they're not just cheap anymore. Little, they're not cheap anymore. And that kind of takes the fun out of it a little yeah. bit. But then you get the guy who pulls up to your shop in an Audi A7. And he's like 32 years old and he's got two young girls. I'm not describing my own life, but he's got two young kids and he wants (laughs) to take him 30. He he has this vision in his head that he's going to put Ray-Ban sunglasses on and that Bronco is just going to go straight down the road. No, it's not. And it's going to drive just like it looks. No, it's not. And you ask him, you say, have you ever driven an old truck at all? No. No. Have you ever driven a farm truck? No. Have you ever driven... A Bronco, no. And then you you let them drive it. They they couldn't leave fast enough after they drive those (laughs) usually. (laughs) Who are you talking to? I had a much newer, much nicer Bronco that didn't go straight down the road and rode like a lumber wagon. Oh, yeah. And that's a luxury car compared to the (laughs) early ones. You should come drive the Roadster. (laughs) That one had air and tilt steering. It's like driving a a broken blender filled with nuts and bolts down the road. That's what it's like. (laughs) At least I knew I could still do a pull-up when I got into it. Uh (laughs) There you go. (laughs) Just, you, should, you should try selling Broncos. You, seem like you know what? There, but that's the thing is that you tell people this and all of a sudden they want them more. The, the, the best way to sell anybody anything is to either tell them they can't have it or that it sucks. And then for some reason they want to buy it. It's the damnedest thing. Every wow, time. I've been going around about this all wrong. Oh, There's people listening out there like, yeah, I want a Bronco. I think I want a Bronco right now. 
well, I'm going to have to start telling people my 61 Impala is a piece of junk. Come buy it for 80 grand. <laughs> Just tell them they can't have it, Brett. Okay. They'll be lining up at your doorstep. That'll work. Hey, this week we've got our returning friend of the show yeah. and repeat offender guest, Mr. Seth Burgett. He's here to tell us about a new scholarship at our favorite college, McPherson College. All right. And also to talk about the state of the collector car market that is coming up in just a second here on driven radio welcome back to driven radio coming to you from driven radio studios in overland park kansas our special guest this week is a repeat offender. We Everybody who listens to the show knows who Seth is. It's Seth Burgett, owner of Gateway Bronco. Seth is a seasoned entrepreneur, a prolific inventor, a frequent speaker. Seth's better than all of us, and we're all kind of PO'd about it. <laughs> <laughs> little jelly, little jelly. Yeah, Seth, Seth's done so much cool stuff. He's a competitive endurance barefoot water skier. You got to have what? soles of iron. Wow, uh, an Ironman triathlete and a vintage race car driver. Seth, welcome back to Driven Radio. Thank you, Brett. Really glad to be here. Uh, good to see you down in Scottsdale. Uh, night. You got too much cool stuff you're dragging around with you, man. I wanted to take the the blue Bronco with a hard top home. Um, cars look great. Congratulations on that. You had a big Thank announcement you. while you were down there uh, at Barrett Jackson. Tell us about the announcement. We did, Brett. We um, we announced our Innovators Scholarship Program, and we were really fortunate to have. Uh, both Aaron Shelby, grandson to Carol Shelby, and and Craig Jackson, they're with us at the press conference and make this announcement uh, of the Innovator Scholarship Program. Why a scholarship program? Well, you know, part of this is bringing the youth into the car industry. Uh, what we're seeing is, uh, Brett, when you and I were growing up, it was just natural to work on cars. That's what we did and be outside, build many bikes, build go-karts. It's just what our generation did and this next generation um we're just not seeing the same thing and so uh certainly craig jackson sees it aaron shelby sees it how do we bring the youth into the hobby and into the profession and and we felt like you know putting a 360 campaign together to help bring in the best talent and show them you can make a great living you can have um you know a great career and work with your hands as well as your mind that um, this Innovator Scholarship Program just seemed like the perfect fit for us. So I understand there's also an internship that goes along with a scholarship. How does that work? Well, you know, there is this self-interest side of this. We're just like a baseball team with a with a farm team that's growing this next tier of talent and bringing them in. Um, but beyond the self-interest of finding the next great talent and bringing them into the organization, uh, we're, we're having a, really an internship where there's a mentoring component. So we have uh, these young students coming into the, into the company and um, we'll then partner them up with a seasoned, a master level technician for their six or eight or 10 week internship. And so they get to learn from the master 
you know, what do they do throughout their day? How do they do uh, the things that they do through their day and, and, and lead by example, but at the same time be there as a backstop answering questions for the projects that the interns take on. And, and really, hopefully, we're hoping to be a long-term relationship uh, with the mentors that we, we select as well as the students that we select. What will the interns get to work on? I'm sure it'll be something cool. It will be. And, you know, uh, your alma mater, the uh, McPherson College, we've got a great student. We've met this student through Zoom. Uh, they are, you know, just an unbelievable student. And, and um, this young man is painting a car that will be the vehicle that he takes to Pebble Beach. Uh, oh. And so this this young man is uh, good in a number of areas. Uh, and as you probably know, if someone's really strong in wiring, um, they're probably not going to be strong as a paint and body. Well, he's the vice versa. He, he tends to do well with mechanical and paint and body and not so well with electrical, not interested in that. So we're going to, we're going to team him up with one of our veteran, uh, seasoned painters and we will, uh, you know, really have this, um, master level paint and body expert teamed up with this young man. And I think it'd be a great mashup. And he'll get to paint Broncos and practice his art uh, prior to going on and painting his Pebble Beach car uh, this summer. Fantastic. Now, is that the Pebble Beach car from McPherson? Because I know this car. Uh, Yes, it's a Mercedes. Uh, I don't know it that well, but he's talking about this uh, McPherson car that is Mercedes that will be going to Pebble Beach. He said he's spraying it. Uh, One of, I think, two or three team members that will be spraying the car and he's been working on the body work for a number of years, and it's a single stage that uh, will end up in Pebble Beach. Assuming next year, not this year. Uh, I, th- I think it's going to take every bit of that much time. <laughs> but they've got a lot of time in working that, and that car is starting to look brilliant. So that's very cool. Um, you've got an EV program at Gateway. Can you tell us about that? And uh, how does your EV Bronco differ from the Coyote-powered Bronco? Oh, well, that's a great question. Um, one, depending on this next student, right? So we've, we've talked about McPherson uh, College, and, and that's where one of the scholarship goes and one of the interns come from. The other one is the Shelby American, uh, the, the Carroll Shelby, um, uh, you know, technical school in, in Texas, the Northeast Texas Community College. And, and this Shelby American program uh, is, is one that we don't know who the student is yet. And if they have this bend towards EV, they would have a, a chance to work on that program. Uh, but to answer your question directly, uh, what is the EV, I think, is what you said. And, and then how does that compare to our, our Coyote program? Um, well, one, the, the EV program is built around a 200-mile-plus range. Uh, it's built around a lower center of gravity than the Coyote Bronco, and it's built around a an approach that you can just use and enjoy your Bronco as intended, but have a uh, you know uh, lowered carbon footprint, and that's uh, that's really the basis of it. We don't want people to be penalized by driving EV, so it's got the torque, it's got the power, uh, just a little bit less than what we would see out of the Coyote. Uh, but it's a very powerful, fun, uh, enjoyable uh, vehicle as it's designed. What's new at Gateway? And 
let me tag on the end of that question. What in the name of God possessed you to supercharge a coyote motor in that little Bronco? Uh, the demand is there. We we believe in, uh, um, you know, there's nothing worse than an underpowered boat and an underpowered <laughs> truck. And so we take the hot rodders motto was more is good and too much is just right, mm-hmm. which means you got to put a supercharger <laughs> on one of these things. <laughs> so we've lived this motto since the beginning. And, um, you know, if naturally aspirated is good, then why not, uh, why not add some nitrous or a supercharger? And so uh, for the Bronco, uh, yeah, we've got this great partnership with, uh, with Harrop USA. It's the Eaton technology, the same technology inside the, um, the new GT500. And so it, it performs fantastic. It, it runs cool. It idles easy. It, it just, you know, a New York Times reporter stated, Seth, he said, you know, after an hour in bumper to bumper traffic, he said, I can't make this car angry. He said, this just seemed like an average Yukon driving it around, you know, Manhattan. Yeah, you can. Stick your foot in it. Once he got his foot in it, it was a whole new animal. But, uh, you know, it just runs and drives easy and you can just drive it around town like any normal SUV until you get in the gas and then it it comes to life. So uh, demand is what I would say, Brett. People love this supercharger and and it's a great package and and it works and it's just super reliable. And what is the output on that thing? Well, we've dialed it back, uh, just Hmm. to be clear. We've got both the Roush Supercharger with the world's first 10-speed automatic and the Roush Supercharger as well as the Harrop USA Supercharger. And and we dial it back, and and, and we bring the torque back into the the high 600s, which is (laughs) more than enough uh, to take one of these little Broncos and and give you all the fun you need. There you go, dude. Lock it in. Four-wheel burnouts. <laughs> Future show. <laughs> what the uh, the recent passing of the Low Volume Manufacturers Act means that major changes are in the works for lots of low volume manufacturers. How is this going to affect you at Gateway? Well, look, Brett, this is only a positive impact to us. There's there's only a, one way this is going to go. We've been working towards a sustainable business model using. Uh, an approach that will enable us to focus on the Low Volume Manufacturers Act once it's fully available. Meaning, we have a partnership with Dennis Carpenter to take all of their uh, bodies that are licensed from Ford Motor Company and incorporate those into our into our builds, uh, using where possible the the licensed Ford manufactured chassis from Kenzer Engineering, Thomas Kenzer, producing those units. Fantastic design unbelievable craftsmanship and quality with each of those units and so we're already building this sustainable model of being able to eliminate those parts that just can't be found anymore and so uh, we've been down that model for a while and and so once this flip this switch has been flipped we'll be able to um, build all sustainable no more deconstruction we've got three vehicles in deconstruction this week right we've got a bronco from new york We've got an, uh, you know, a Bronco from I don't know where, but it's wretched. It's, you know, virtually everything is going except for the frame, a 1971 Bronco that will just be the frame left over. And then a, uh, we got a 69 F100 uh, that's yellow, uh, screaming yellow, but uh, faded. It's original paint F100 out of uh, Texas. So all three of those are being deconstructed. And we've got, you know, two people working full time to do that. So how does it impact us? We won't have those donor vehicles quite the way we do today. And we'll be able to build all brand new, at least on the Bronco side of the business. Very cool. 
All right, we're both fresh back. What were your thoughts on Barrett Jackson? I think I think it was fantastic. It's uh, you know the numbers were all up, uh, the activity was robust in our booth. The people were great. Um, you know, people were definitely ready to get out and spend money. You look at the numbers at the auction. Uh, there weren't very many bargains, if any bargains. And, and it was, a uh, you know, really everything was going high. Uh, I think in terms of the Bronco business, what you saw is you saw multiple units, multiples going over $200,000, not just over a little, you know, 220s. Uh, and that's a, you know, a new element that you hadn't seen before with a Coyote powered Bronco at, at uh, Barrett Jackson on a consistent basis. And so, you know, most, I don't know if there were any really that were kind of below the seventy eighty thousand dollars $80,000 range. Um, and, and almost everything was up into that uh, $100,000 plus range with a few in the 200. So I think it was that Broncos were hot, but overall people were spending money above what I think uh, uh, the values of the vehicles normally would have been. Do you think that sale is a portrait of the collector car market in general? Well, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm a brand loyalist with um, with Barrett Jackson as a national a national sponsor. Uh, however, if I just saw the Meekum uh, ad that came out today, the uh, the farm uh, auction, right? The tractors are going for two hundred, three hundred, four hundred thousand dollars, and they had top ten tractors. I think the lowest one was eighty eight thousand dollars. And so, you know, for a '60s or '70s era tractor to to fetch those kinds of dollars, they said record numbers. Uh, and that's the Mecham auction. So it, it seems like it's the collector market in general, and it seems like people are spending money in a different way than they maybe had uh, a couple of years ago. Finally, what do you think about that that VIN 001, the very first new Bronco made, selling for a million dollars? Yeah, what a great outcome. That was just an outstanding outcome. Uh, we were there with Ford. Uh, we were there with Aaron Shelby and and seeing this this auction take off to uh, to achieve over a million dollars in really a short amount of time as well. Uh, just couldn't have seen that being a better outcome for Vin 01. Seth, we appreciate you being here. We've been speaking with Seth Burgett of Gateway Bronco. You can find all the social media links for Seth and Gateway Bronco and McPherson College at readthedriven.com. Thanks for being with us as always, Seth. I appreciate it. It was great seeing you down there. Oh, same with you, Brad. Great seeing you and meeting your wife, Rhonda. That was all all great. And uh, thanks for having me on the show again. Oh, always always a pleasure. You're welcome anytime. Thank you so much for spending time with Driven Radio. Uh, we really do enjoy doing this, and we wouldn't be able to do it without the support of our listeners. You can find us online at DrivenRadioShow.com, ReadTheDriven.com. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Driven Radio Show. And everywhere, find podcasts are heard. See what I did there? I took all that crap out. I'm not doing it. You did Yeah, well, nobody. I, it was just me hearing my so voice. No more nap so. time for Mark and I. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> I am Brett Hatfield for Corey Pratt, yep. Mark Groves, yep. Vernon Estes, Thanks Mr. Vern, and my lovely wife, Rhonda, who is in the other room, probably. Hey, hey she's, pro- <laughs> she's probably making drinks by now. Uh, thank you for listening, and we'll see you next time here on Driven Radio. Oh,